0: All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to ITown in part four of this series called Out on a Boat. I want to say hello to our church family meeting in other locations today. All of you who may be watching online or through the app. And then our church family in correctional facilities all across the state. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. <laughs> Welcome each other today. Go ahead and grab something to take some notes with if you haven't already. And I say every week, the iTown Church app is a great way to take your notes. We have all the scriptures that we're going to cover today in a fill-in-the-blank version of the notes, help you follow along and record what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. We have been in this series talking about different boat stories from scripture, and today we get to conclude with Jonah and the storm that he faced on a boat. I'm excited to take a look at this story. Most of you know the story how Jonah was called to go preach repentance to the Ninevites, but instead of going... To Nineveh, he uh, got on a ship to Tarshish, ran the opposite direction from God's will. And then, of course, just like all of our boat stories so far, there was a storm. And uh, he got thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish, and eventually ended up following God's will for his life. Today's message is for all of you who are struggling in relationships, struggling with the people in your world. And then for those of you that are struggling with the call of God, the will of God for your life, I think there's a lot of great lessons to glean. We're going to begin in Jonah chapter 1 in verse 1, just four chapters in this little Old Testament book. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Ahmadiyya. It says, go, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish and he bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So of course, as you know the story, he decides I'm not going to follow God's will. I'm gonna do exactly the opposite and try and run from the presence of God, which is obviously pretty laughable, run from the will of God. And there are four lessons that we learn as we walk through this today. Four things that God uses in our lives. I want you to jot the first one down. God uses people, first of all, to grow us. God uses people in life to grow us. So the first thing that we have to understand is why did Jonah not want to preach to the Ninevites? Why did he hate the city of Nineveh so much? And there's a reason for it. The Ninevites were, or, or the city of Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians, And they were one of the first nations that identified with military power and had the desire to conquer the world, but they were really the terrorists of their day. They would do gruesome and horrible things to people when they conquered another nation. We don't even go through all the torture tactics because they literally are completely disgusting. They were vile, horrible people, which is why their wickedness came up before God. God said, I can't deal with these people continuing down this path Any longer. Something absolutely has to break. Something has to change, which is why he wanted to send the prophet Jonah to them. There were one, interestingly enough, one of the first cultures to actually involve involve themselves in psychological warfare. So they would actually make these tablets with pictures of people being tortured. All these horrific things that they would do, and then they would send them with messengers ahead of the army to the cities that they were going to conquer and tell the people, this is about what's going to happen to you. And they would take a look at it and freak out, and then they would give them the chance to surrender before they arrived. If the city did not surrender, they faced a horrible and slow and gruesome death. And they were the arch rivals of the nation of Israel. And so Jonah had pretty good reason to really hate these people. They were a disdain to planet Earth and had done some horrible things to the people around them. And Jonah did not want these people to repent. In fact, that's exactly what we find at the end of the story in Jonah chapter 4. We'll skip forward. Jonah complained to the Lord uh, about the fact that they repented and that God showed mercy. He said, Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you would be merciful and compassionate. I know that you're slow to anger and unfailing love, and you are eager to turn your back from destroying people. So just kill me now, because I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted, which is doomsday and judgment, if that doesn't come to pass, I'd rather die. Now that seems extreme. But I wonder how many of us here today have people who have hurt us or wronged us, people that have done things to us in life, and in our heart of hearts, we kind of wish that we would die rather than see the blessing of the Lord in their life. We really do not want them to prosper. We don't want God's grace and God's mercy extended to them. Jonah didn't have any trouble pronouncing judgment on them. His fear was that they would respond to the message and that God would be merciful and gracious and that he would forgive them. And so because he hated them so much and because he wanted them to die and be judged by God so badly, he boarded a ship to travel 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He went west when literally God called him east. He tried to do exactly the opposite of what the Lord called him to do because he hated these people so much. I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit from time to time will call you to do things like this. Jot it down this way if you're taking notes. God calls you to do hard things. God calls us to a difficult life. It is not an easy life in following Christ. And one of the principles that you will learn the longer that you live is that the richest parts of life and the hardest parts of life are always connected to people. God uses people to grow us. This is a growth moment in Jonah's life, and I'm going to show you today how the book of Jonah, this little four-chapter story, is really a lesson in relationships. Jonah really reviled these people, so he didn't want to go preach the gospel. And I wonder if there are people in your life that have been opposed to you, been against you, brought pain into your life. And I just wonder how we're processing all of that. What is it doing to our insides? What are we holding against them? Do we want God's best for them? Because the richest part of life and the hardest part of life are always the same thing, it's people. Because people, I don't know if you've noticed, they're a pain in the butt. (laughs) People are a pain, like literally a pain in the butt. I, I went golfing this week, I had the chance to play golf A round of golf with Brennan, our worship pastor. We've never played golf before together, and he'd been playing for a little while. So we finally got together and got to play a round of golf, and everything went great. We had a good time till the 11th hole. He missed the green, and I was over there repairing my ball mark, bent over on the green, and I heard this, like, indiscernible grunt, like a... It wasn't like a lookout for... It was just like a... Because he couldn't get the words out. And then all of a sudden... A ball hit me right in the butt. I mean, if it had hit my head, it would have killed me. It was going fast. He was chipping up on the green and bladed his shot. And lucky for him, there was water on the other side of me. And it hit my butt and just kind of trickled down next to the hole. Turn around like, what's up, man? The worst part about it is that he missed his putt for par. Man. You literally are a pain in the butt. People, they can cause you some of the greatest heartache in life. And sometimes, oftentimes, it comes from the people who are closest to you. I want you to know today that it's inescapable. The pain that comes from relationships, the pain that comes from people, the richest part and the hardest part are always intertwined because it's always people. And you can't escape it because you're called to it. Mark chapter 16, Jesus gave us this message. I want you to go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Go everywhere, tell everyone. We talk about that all the time because our church is not for church folks. This isn't about making you feel good. It's not a Christian club for Christians. We are a search and rescue mission, fulfilling the great commission of seeking and saving that which is lost. There is a world that's dying. There is a gospel to preach. There is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to pay for sin, it is a reality, and we have got to stay focused on that. And every one of us will get this message from God, just like Jonah, get up and go. Get out of your comfort zone, get out of your world, get out of your relational circle, and go to the people that I've called you to, and we all like being called to the people who look like us, believe like us, act like us, and talk like us. But I want you to know you're also called to the people who don't believe like you, don't act like you, don't look like you, don't talk like you, and are actually completely against you. You and I are called to reach those people because the message of the gospel is for all people. Jesus died so that none would perish and all would find everlasting life. And so we've got to carry this message that it is for everybody. God calls us to hard things. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Man, that seems like good preaching. That just resounds like I can do that. I can love the people who are nice to me and I can really hate and pray hellfire and brimstone on the people that are messing up my life. But Jesus said, I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for the people that are trying to ruin your life. Pray for the people that are trying to bring pain. Pray for the people people that are actively working against you. I just want you to know that you're not going to be able to live this Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit, because that is a supernatural thing. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says it this way. God is working in you, which I'm so thankful for, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives you both the desire and the power. Now, the problem is we often rely on the power, but we don't really pray so much for the desire, because oftentimes he asks us to do things that we don't desire, and we don't even desire to desire it. I don't even have the want to want to. I don't even want to want the things that you want for me. I don't want the Ninevites to be saved. I don't even want to want to go. I don't want to have anything to do with this, Jonah is saying. And so instead of allowing God to work on the inside of him, Jonah runs. He gets into a ship, and the Bible says he bought a ticket. He is financially invested in running from God and not following God's plan for his life. He doesn't want God's work. And so we find him in verse 4. The Bible says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm to threaten Breaking up the ship. Number two, I want you to know God will send wind. God uses wind to direct us. So if we look at this text in the Old Testament here in verse four, the Bible says this wind of the Lord, the wind that was sent is what caused the storm. So oftentimes we only focus on the storm. We don't think about what caused the storm. And in this situation, it's God. God sends the wind that creates the storm that breaks up Jonah's mission to derail God's plan for his life. Well, that's oftentimes how the Holy Spirit will work in our lives. I don't know if you realize this, but the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We did a whole series about the Holy Spirit earlier this year. It's important that we embrace who he is and allow his work in our lives because one of his responsibilities is to guide us, to lead us, to keep us on track. John Chapter 16, Jesus said it this way, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the Holy Spirit's the one that reveals to us this is the direction we need to go, and this is the thing that needs to happen. We can see almost through the eyes of the Spirit the future before it unfolds. We call call it pursuing peace, or the grace flow, how God will lead and guide and direct our steps as we submit ourselves to his word and to the leading of the Spirit. But what you might not realize is that the Greek word for spirit in both the Old and the New Testament means breath or air, a strong breeze. That Greek word is pneuma in the New Testament. So when the pneuma comes, he blows into your life and breathes God's direction over you. He brings that clarity, that vision, and oftentimes... You and I are stubborn, and we don't have the want to because we have this fleshly nature. We don't want to let that go. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to preach. We don't want to minister to those people that have hurt us, and so the Holy Spirit will actually come, and that wind is to blow us back on track. In fact, jot it down this way if you're taking notes. Some storms are meant to blow you off course. They're sent by the enemy, but some storms blow you back. And that's why we have to be men and women of the Spirit. That's why we have to understand the voice of the Holy Spirit because just because you have adversity doesn't always mean that it's of the devil. Some storms God actually brings to try and get you to the place that you're supposed to be. This storm was from the Lord to get Jonah back on track. The other storms that we studied... First week, we talked about Noah. That was a storm sent by God. But then we talked about Paul's storm. We talked about the disciples' storms, the things that seem to blow us off course and threaten the future of our lives. Some of those are brought by the devil. And so we have to have the leading of the Holy Spirit in life to discern, is this something that's blowing me away from God's will or is it blowing me back towards God's will? Is this something that's meant to put me back on track because the Lord sent this wind, it's a leading of the Holy Spirit that you and I would feel in life that feels like a storm. But I wonder how many of us spend time praying against the very thing that God has sent to put you where you're supposed to be. Sometimes we inadvertently are fighting the Lord because we're not keeping in step as Paul directed us with the Spirit. We've got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In verse five, we find out that the sailors are in this storm, they're desperate and they're shouting to their gods for help throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all the while, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. You know, I want to confront something for just a moment because we live in this culture that would tell you, you make your decisions in a vacuum. It's fine for you to live how you want and sleep with who you want and do what you want as long as it's right for you. There's no absolute truth, and there really are no consequences. You can just do what you want however you desire. Do whatever makes you feel good. Do whatever makes you happy. And so we're trained in this false theology to believe that our decisions don't hold any weight, that there are no consequences for the choices that we make, that there's no fallout To the world around us. But I want you to know that where you're sitting today, you are the sum total of the decisions that you have made. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. And so the devil wants you to believe two lies. Number one, you can make any decision you want because it doesn't impact anybody but you, and that it's okay if you make bad decisions because you can't be held accountable because you are a victim. And so it's okay that you do these. It's okay that you're addicted. It's okay you have that wound because your father wasn't present or you had that friend that was horrible to you. You got abused as a child. You had these things. And so it's allowable for you to do those things because nobody understands because you've walked this very hard path. You're not responsible. So we think I can make whatever decision I want without consequences, and it's certainly not impacting the people around me, and I can't be held responsible for the outcome because I'm the victim. One of the things my grandfather used to always say is you make your decisions and your decisions make you. Life will never change until we own the fact that today we are the sum total of the decisions that we have made. Jonah's decision is impacting the sailors. He's on a boat he's not supposed to be, surrounded by people that aren't supposed to be in his life, and yet all while he is destroying the lives of people, he's completely asleep. Ask yourself this question today. Are you asleep to the storms you're causing others? Your decisions are impacting the people around you. Every good decision and every bad decision has weight. Everything that you do is impacting the people that you care about and sometimes even the people you don't care about. Every decision that you make has fallout. There are consequences. You're not only the sum total of your decisions, but your world, your relational life, your calling, the people around you. Everybody is impacted by the decisions that you make. And so we have these sailors that are throwing their own goods, their own resources that were theirs overboard trying to save their life because Jonah is out of God's will. And so it says in verse 11, as we skip down, the captain goes and finds Jonah. They get him up, they get him praying, they cast lots, they find out it's his fault. The storm keeps getting worse and so they asked him, What should we do to stop the storm? And he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So the sailors picked up Jonah and they threw him overboard into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. I want to pause for just a minute to shift from Jonah's perspective to the sailors and understand a couple things about relationships in your life. Because as I said, and I've never, the Holy Spirit showed me this this week I've never seen that the whole story of Jonah is a relationship story. The sailors threw Jonah overboard and the storm stopped. Which I think begs the question for all of us in life when it comes to our purpose who are you called to and who are you called with? All of us are called to someone. We see Jonah was called to Nineveh, he was supposed to go preach the gospel to the capital city of 150,000 people of the Assyrians. That was his calling. That was his delegation from the Lord. That's what he was supposed to be doing and he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Who are you called to? But then the bigger question is who are you called with? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We're supposed to take this journey with specific people and sometimes we get the wrong people in the boat. In week one we talked about how The disciples put Jesus in the boat, left the crowd on the shore. Sometimes we just get the wrong people in the boat. So we have people that we're called to, and that's our purpose, our destiny, our mission. Whether we like it or not, it's who God's called us to reach. But then there are people that we're called with, and when we get that wrong, it brings chaos into our lives. Let me ask it to you this way. Who do you need to throw out of your boat to have peace? Peace. Because the moment Jonah left, peace came. Now, it doesn't make Jonah a horrible person because, listen, a a repentant Jonah was salvation to the Ninevites, but a disobedient Jonah was death to the sailors. Same person, wrong place, wrong relationship. You got to know the people you're supposed to be connected to. And some of you have absolute chaos in your life and you're doing everything you can to pray and fight the devil. You're one person eliminated from your life away from all that chaos calming. The problem is we either don't have the eyes of the Spirit to identify who it is, or we don't have the guts to make the decision. You gotta get off social media. You gotta silence that cell phone. You gotta cut that person out of your life. You just have to say, look, I I just have to set up a boundary. Look, I cannot take that any, I just can't have your comments any longer. I just, I know you may be blood, but we're just not coming over for Thanksgiving. It's too detrimental. It's too destructive. There's just no peace. Back to Jonah. Jonah. We go back to verse 12. He says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again because I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. There's half of repentance begun here. And a very important key that you have to see. Jonah took ownership for his mistake. If you're going to turn things around in your life, stop blaming everybody else and say, look, that was my fault. Own what you can own. You can't own everyone else's fallout. You can't own everyone else's decisions, but you can not own your mistakes. So don't be responsible for everybody else and try to take the blame for things that weren't your fault, but you better not pass the buck on, well, I acted that way because, and I have the right to be mean because, and you don't understand what I was going through. Don't ruin a good apology with an excuse. Just say, I'm sorry. I think all of us can grow in that area, right? Like, it was my fault. I did it. I was wrong. But we see that he's not completely repentant here because he didn't say, turn this ship around. I've got to go to Nineveh. He said, throw me into the water. Jonah actually has a death wish. He would rather die than see these people repent. He's fulfilling what he said in chapter four. I would rather die than to see these people find salvation and forgiveness. So he says, I'm not ready to follow the will of God. I'm ready to take ownership for what I've done, but I'm not ready to make it right. So throw me overboard. So the guys chuck him overboard, and he's got his whole plan worked out for exactly how he's gonna take his own life, but God messed it all up. In verse 17, he arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and he was inside that fish for three days and for three nights. Number three, I want you to know, when you're running from God, God uses fish to save us. God can use anything. Now, not a lot of people debate the argument of what kind of a whale. Whales have very small esophaguses, and a whale couldn't swallow Jonah. Well, the Bible doesn't say a whale. It just says a great fish. So we don't know exactly, but I heard the story of this little girl, little grade school girl in class, and they were studying whales, and and she piped up and said, you know, Jonah got swallowed by a whale. He was in there for three days, and the teacher was an atheist, and she said, nope, that's not possible. Let me prove to you scientifically how it couldn't have happened. And, and the little girl said, no, I know it happened. I know he got swallowed by that whale. I'll prove it to you. When I get to heaven, I'll just ask Jonah. <laughs> and the teacher, being an atheist, wanted to crush this little girl's faith, and she said, well, what if Jonah didn't make it to heaven? The little girl said, well, that's okay. Then you can ask him. <laughs> There are some things in Scripture, honestly, that you can't completely explain. Now, if you do some research, I did some research on this this week, there are several different types of fish and whales that do have the capacity to swallow a human. Everybody debates how someone could have stayed alive. It's obviously a miracle. We have to accept it for what the Word says. But I'm just telling you, if you can't accept that he was physically in a fish for three days, then you can't accept the gospel because Jesus himself said it. Matthew Chapter 12, Jesus Jesus said, Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and for three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus didn't say, figuratively speaking, he acted like something happened that was kind of like a fish. No, he said he spent three days in a fish. So if you can't accept it, then you need to throw Jesus out because he too is crazy. I don't know how it happened. I'm just telling you it did. God used a fish to swallow Jonah. But I just want you to know, your salvation isn't as fun as you might think it is when you're running from God, because living in the belly of a fish is disgusting for three days. Doesn't matter how big the fish was, the belly would have surrounded him. If you're claustrophobic, you're done. He's got bile and fish guts and acid eating away at his clothes. Who knows the condition? that this fish's stomach was like. It was a very humbling experience to recognize the fact that I am not in charge of my own life. This is a moment just like Christ drew the analogy of Jonah in the belly of the fish is like Jesus in the belly of the earth. Jesus died so that he could be raised back to life. I just want you to know this Christian life isn't about you living to all your hopes and dreams. It's about you dying to yourself, dying to your will, dying to your agenda so that when you come to your senses, you can be raised To life with Christ and be humble enough to do what he's asked you to do. Jonah had a fish that came to rescue him, so I wonder what your fish looks like today because I bet there's some situations, if you're running from God, there's a circumstance in your life that has swallowed you up, and I bet it's gross, I bet it's uncomfortable, I bet it stinks, probably full of acid, and you're thinking, God has forsaken me. Maybe it's your fish, maybe that relationship, maybe that job, maybe that ministry, maybe that moment that you feel stuck in is God trying to get your attention. Because it's easy for all of us to get to the place that we go, man, I will serve you in my life, but I'm not doing that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to reach them. I don't want to preach that. And the Lord says, why don't you spend a little time in a fish? get your perspective right Jonah in verse 1 of chapter 2 prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish in verse 7 his life is slipping away he said I remembered the Lord sometimes we have to come back to salvation and remember that we too are sinners saved by grace and that our salvation Jonah goes on to say comes from the Lord alone And then when he realized that, when he got to the place of I'm no better than the Ninevites and I'm thankful that I too am saved by grace, calling on the name of the Lord in that place of repentance, the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And then... The very next verse is verse 1 of chapter 3. The Lord spoke again to Jonah and he said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Because God does not relent. He's not like, okay, you've been through the fire. Now you get your way. I'll let you be pouty-faced. No, you don't have to forgive. No, you don't have to go preach. No, you don't have to get out of your comfort zone. No, God goes, are you ready now? Because I got more fish. You don't get to have it your way. It's God's will or death. But the thing that's so amazing about our God is that he's so gracious that he'll keep spitting us out on beaches until we come to our senses. And this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord. He followed the command to go to Nineveh. Number four, as we close, I want you to know that God uses our obedience to save others. Jonah didn't want to, but begrudgingly he goes and he preaches the gospel. He preaches justice. He preaches hellfire and judgment. He preaches repentance to the city of Nineveh. And the Ninevites cried out to God. They humbled themselves and they asked that God would spare their lives. And guess what? The Lord was merciful. It's ironic so many times how we want to withhold the grace of God that we ourselves depend on. Jesus died so that none should perish, and all would find everlasting life. It's our job to take the message of the gospel to a world that needs it so desperately. And oftentimes, God will call us to the people who are the ones that are against us. It's not the picture that you probably have of God today, because if you're following religion, religion tells you that God is mean, that God is judgmental, that God is out to get you. No. Psalm 86 says once again, Lord, you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God was gracious to the Ninevites, the people that should have been wiped off the face of the earth. He relented in the destruction because they repented from their sin. But in the same way, He was gracious to Jonah and gave him a second chance because Jonah repented and turned. I don't know where you're at on your journey of faith today, but I want you to know there's a grace that all of us depend upon. We need Jesus. We need his forgiveness. We need his salvation. And thank God, he is not out to get even with us. He's not trying to destroy us. He's not trying to judge us or to separate us from him. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. That is the God of scripture that we serve. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey of faith today. Maybe you've never known the Lord or maybe you've run from him for a long time. It's never too late with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you today. Some of you have some incredibly painful relational wounds to walk through in life. Maybe like Jonah, God has called you to some enemies that you're struggling with. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen and encourage you. Others of you have been running from God. You know that he has spoken to you. You got a word from the Lord to get up and go, and yet you got up and went the opposite direction. You're running from the call of God for your life. You're running from that ministry position. You're running from that relationship you know you're supposed to invest into. I want to pray that you would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That you would learn to follow his leading that you would find your way through the wind and through the fish to the place that god has called you to be but first there are some of you who are here and you're just far from god maybe you've never known this god who is gracious and loving and compassionate maybe all you've ever seen is a god of judgment Religion has sold you the lie that God is trying to get even with you and judge you. I want you to know nothing could be further from the truth. The God that we serve wants to give you a brand new start today if you'll just surrender to him. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Doesn't matter if you've never known him or you've been running from him for years. The Lord is here today with arms open wide welcoming you home. We can do that in a simple prayer. I'm not going to make you stand or come to the front. I just want to connect you with Jesus. So at all of our campuses with no one looking around, maybe that's you today. You know in your heart, and this is for me. Don't leave here that way. Let's pray together before you go. I would love to know, just as a point of faith that you want to be counted in on this prayer just by lifting your hand up high if you're here at one of our campuses come on right now put your hand up high say Dave that's me I need to be rescued today I need Jesus yeah it's amazing great job you can put your hands down if you haven't already here's what we'll do I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer you can pray it quietly in your heart you just need to mean it just say Lord Jesus today I repent Forgive me for all of my sin and mistakes. I was wrong. Today I want to turn around, change directions. I want to make you my Lord. Help me to surrender to you wherever you lead me. Just whisper to heaven, just say, I give you my life. God, today I give you my life. Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the relationships of our church and for the people of our church. Thank you that all of us have a people that our destiny is connected to. No matter the pain that we experience, God, I pray that you would help us to continue to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. At the same time, God, I pray that you would give us The leading of the holy spirit to understand strong boundaries and get the right people out of the boat that may be causing the storm that we're facing today for those who are off track we thank you that the holy spirit is nudging us back to the direction that you would have for us god let us live out the call you have for us and making a difference in the world around us god one more time we're so thankful that we can run to your throne of grace and find mercy when we need it most thank you that you are so gracious to us. Help us to show that love, that grace, and that mercy to a world who needs it so desperately. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, church, would you celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today? Yeah. Thank you so much for joining Itown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or, of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now, for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon. God bless.